0: Welcome to Foundation Christian Church. We're glad that you're joining us for today's message. For service times or to join a disciple group, please visit foundationcitrusheights.com. You know, it is 9-11, and 21 years ago we had a a devastating uh, impact. I I knew that that this was 9-11. This is one reason why when they said, would you preach on 9-11, I said, what am I going to say? Twenty-one. So here's the thing. Ready? The problem is we are told by some groups, you know, let it go, let it go. Don't be, uh, you know, phobic phobic against this race group or whatever. And then we have some people that are vigilant. We should always remember and be violent against people. The truth of the matter is this. Something happened to us that, that is offensive as a country. Something happened to destroy what we thought was peace. And, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that we should... I think we should always remember things like that. We should always remember what happens to us. We have to be careful that we don't respond the way our flesh would tell us to respond. Well, The message that we found in Christ is that when we are offended... We need a lens based on the one who created us. And while there was a direct offense 21 years ago, the statement is that if I attack a people group, I'm missing the point. If I I choose that I'm supposed to be violent and be aggressive toward people, I've missed the point. The real message that I want to tell, tell you today, and the message that I'm going to preach to you today is that we are weak people. We are always vulnerable. There is always an attack out there. While nobody liked 21 years ago, and even the, the, the vibrations of what happened 21 years ago may still be in your, your ethos, in your person. The truth of the matter is we were vulnerable. And if we, if we grew from that, if we recognize that vulnerability shows us that we need to change what we do, if we realize that that's really the fact, that from vulnerability we're supposed to prepare, if that's the message we get, praise God. One of the pastors at Bayside is a fellow named Mark Clark. He's brilliant. If you, if you like to hear uh, spirited preaching, and he said something that was really interesting this week, I get a, a, a daily podcast. He said, God is lacking something. And he says that to go, what? God doesn't lack anything. Yes, he does. And he said this, quote, the only thing that God requires or lacks is our weakness. Wait, 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 listen, listen, listen. I am the one that recognizes weakness or not recognizes weakness. See, God already knows. He created this goober he knows that I'm weak. The problem is, I don't know it. God uses circumstances in our life, like the 9-11, is to reveal our weakness so that we would run into him, our high tower, our protection. Is that fair? Okay. So I just want to remind us, Lord, you're always in, in our midst. So um, today, I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey in my head, and I apologize in advance because I don't want to be there sometimes. But uh, So uh, today, we're, we're going to be talking about an Old Testament story, um, and, and I want to tell you as a teacher, one of the tools that I use for me, and I suggest with the people that I teach, is that I try to put myself into the story. If I don't do that, then it's just history. For example, if, if you were to look at the story of David and Goliath and all of the characters around that story, I would suggest put yourself in the place of David or in Saul. I wouldn't suggest Goliath per se, but, but, uh, but, but put yourself into the, the, the group of the Israel, Israel soldiers. Put yourself into David's father. Put yourself into the characters so that you can understand or try to understand what they may be going through. Because if I don't humanize the scripture, it becomes just something that I go through and I don't learn anything from. Does that make sense? So this is just what I do. And uh, you, know, you can look at Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Joshua or, or the prodigal son or one of the ten lepers. See, as soon as I put myself in the story of one of the ten lepers, I understand what salvation's all about. As soon as I put myself into the story of the prodigal son, I realize how far and how easy it is for me to get away from what God really wants for me. Does that make sense? Today we're going to talk about a king in the Bible. And, And to be honest, it's probably a king that you don't really focus on. He's not one of the biggies. Uh, his name is Uzziah. And and uh, I, I, my son's having a baby soon, and so I'm going to suggest that he name him Uzziah, except when you look at like, hey, have you taken Uzi to school? Yeah, that doesn't sound good. Hey, did, <laughs> it, are you bringing Uzi on the plane? See, so It doesn't work, but... <laughs>
1: you know, I, just, I had
0: to say that. Um, anyway, when I think of a king in the Old Testament specifically... What I do is I realize that a king is someone who makes the rule. So I, I want to I start with this. What did I do? Did I put... Oh, there it is. Can we start this? So if you need a Bible, if you would raise a hand, Glenn's out there. If you need a copy of God's Word, we, we actually use the New Living Translation if you're online. And we're going to be in 1 Chronicles 26, verse 1 through 15. And in the books that we're giving out, it's on page three eighty-two. And today I'm gonna I'm gonna speak on something called offense and defense. Okay, so this is sort of the scope of how I see things. So again, I don't pretend that this is logically sound. This is just the way I think. When I when I look at the scriptures, when I see a king, I put me in that. A king. Now, I'm not saying that I have to follow into being a bad king or a good king, but a king is someone who makes decisions. And every day I make decisions regarding my life. I decide what I say or do. I decide what I don't say or don't do. When I see the city, in, in the story today, what I want you to look at is when I'm in a city, that is what, what is um, my being. Or like in Jerusalem, I consider that my, my spirit, my soul, my heart condition. In the city of Jerusalem, that's where the temple was. That's my, that's my worship. In the city of Jerusalem was my throne. That's what I sit on to make decisions. Does that, does that make sense? So the city of Jerusalem in our story today, and again, am I pretending that this has to be how you see Scripture? No. <laughs> this is a, not a doctrinal statement. This is just how I see things. Good luck. So, <laughs> And then outside the city is how you demonstrate your faith. So there's a city that is walled in and then outside the city is how I demonstrate what is inside of me, all right? So the, the city is who I am and outside the city is might, ha- might be how I deal with my family and my friends, right? And, so, and then other nations, other nations in, in my world, like the Edomites, they and, and this is just from experience, they usually are associated with flesh, fleshly desires, pleasure and the philistines what i've studied is they always come around wealth and greed technology they're they're those sorts of so nations actually represent for me other gods or sin issues in me so that's just how we see it okay is that fair that's not too complicated is it oh maybe it is (laughs) so we're going to read uh the story about uzziah it's broken up into two parts the first um Five verses of this chapter really talks about who Uzziah is. It is excuse me what? Oh my bad. My bad. It is second. It's first. Is it first? Second. Second Chronicles. Whatever. Page three three eighty two leads you. Is it Second Chronicles? My bad. My bad. I blew it. See what happens when you follow my mind. It's risky. No, no. You're right. So it's. Second Chronicles twenty six one through fifteen page three eighty two, okay, okay good I got one thing right that's good, okay so, okay so let, let's first of all we're gonna read it let me read it for you this is I'm gonna read one through five it says this <clears throat> yeah Second Chronicles that's what it is all the people of Judah had crowned Amaziah Amaziah's sixteen year old son Uzziah as king in place of his father. After his father's death, Uzziah built, rebuilt the town of Elath and restored it to Judah. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jechaliah from Jerusalem. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done, Uzziah sought to God, during the days of Zechariah, who taught him the fear of God, as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. Okay, so there's some really cool parts here. And then I, I have to tell you that some of you already just like went to sleep. <laughs> done. right? It's like, uh, the, he, he used words like I, uh, and I'm done. Right. Some, sometimes Old Testament scriptures do that to us. But I, I want, but I want to sort of do this way. What do we know about Uzziah? First of all, Uzziah means my strength is Yah, which is Yahweh or God. My strength is God. So that's a good start, right? So it's Amaziah was his dad. And, and not that dad's uh, kings at the, that point really had much to do with their children, unfortunately. But anyway, God was his strength. Um, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about that his dad was messed up. And so um, we're going to talk about that a little bit. And uh, Judah chose Uzziah to be king, and Uzziah was stuck until his father died. So let, let me just run some of the backstory. story. Here's the issue. We're going to go through this. It, it, notice in verse 1 it says um, that the people of Judah crowned Amaziah's 16-year-old son, Uzziah, as king in his father's place. Now that is backwards. Historically, what happens, a king happened after the dad died. Right? That's how it worked. Dad died, kid takes over. That is not the situation that's going on here. A 16-year-old son is asked to be a king while his father's still alive. And the people chose him. This is, un, this is irregular. It's, it just doesn't happen that way. So we, I want to go to a little of the backstory. story. Amaziah, the the father here, the scripture says he did all that was right in the uh, the sight of the Lord. He was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. He did some amazing things. But the problem is, let me tell you the story, is that he wanted to fight the Edomites, which is the flesh. So in my story, he's fighting fleshly desires. And instead of just asking Asking God for help, he decided to pay an army of mercenaries from the northern tribes of Israel to help him. So he paid $2.5 million worth of mercenary funds. That's what it would be costing today. And so he said, listen, he bought an army to help him fight the Edomites. The problem is God sent a prophet to Amaziah and said, I don't want you to do it that way. He already paid the money, and God says, don't do it that way. And he was a little huffy because he just lost two and a half mil. Right? He, Amaziah, Amaziah goes to the battle, and he wins. He beats the Edomites, but he's bitter. And what he does is he takes the gods of the Edomites, and he starts worshiping them. And God comes to Amaziah and said, what the heck are you doing? Why are you worshiping gods that couldn't save the people you just defeated? Okay? And Amaziah threw a hissy fit and the people of, of Israel, the, the northern kingdoms, came and attacked Jerusalem, tore down 600 feet of the wall and captured the king. So the king isn't killed, but he's captured So at the point of dad being an embarrassment to the kingdom, dad being an embarrassment to the family, dad being a disobedient servant of God, he is captured by an enemy, and the people of Judah stand up and say, we don't want this guy to be our king anymore. And they choose his 16-year-old son. Now, that's what's going on. Dad's messed up. Can I tell you, some of you have dads that are messed up or have been messed up. If I look at this, see, I, I, wanna, I just want to tell you how I think. Again, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I look at being a king. In the times of, of Judah, in the, originally, a king was somebody who was anointed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them and stayed with them so that they would obey God. And their only requirement, very simply, was to hear God and obey. Guess what? That hasn't changed. Every believer in Christ, every follower of Christ, their only requirement, very simple, it's, not, it's very simple, it's just not easy. <laughs> hear God and obey. That's it. This king, every king in the Bible, it has the same requirement. So Uzziah is a 16-year-old guy that just got saved. That's how I'm picturing him. Ever been 16? (laughs) I was saved when I was 18. What a mess. I didn't know anything. At 16-year-old, Uzziah becomes king. And my question is, why would they choose him to be king? Let's go through this scripture. Ready? I'm going to go through it again. All the people of Judah crowned Amaziah... 16-year-old son Uzziah as king in place of his father, right? So he was placed. The people chose him. I love the fact that something inside of the the nation said, our king isn't representing our faith. That's very, very cool. Verse 2 is sort of like, what is this, right? After his, his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Elath and restored it to Judah. That makes no sense. It's sort of out of place. We're going to see that that's important, but notice it goes back in verse three. Uzziah was sixteen year old. Notice which way of Uzziah is sixteen, and then he does this incredible work, and then again he's sixteen. There's a chiastic, if you know that thing. There's a there's a picture there. There's something really important about that. We'll get there. He says at sixteen he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem for fifty two years, and then it talks about his mother and he did what was pleasing in the sight of the Lord. Uzziah sought the, the, the God, uh, God during the days of Zechariah. Oh, who's Zechariah? Well, Zechariah is a prophet. One of the things that Judah was chosen, Judah, the, the, the nation, chose Uzziah to be king, but Uzziah was stuck with his father. They co-reigned. like The dad was still alive for 24 years still. He was captured So the son couldn't just fully take over Uzziah was taught by a prophet His father didn't teach him how to follow God But a prophet Can I tell you I don't care about your background per se I, don't, I mean I do care Lie, lie, lie I understand that our backgrounds can be totally different Whether you have a messed up father or not a messed up father God will provide prophets. God will pr- provide people in your life that will speak the truth to you. God will provide people to mentor you. God will provide people to help you see what the scripture says so that you can re- be responsible to the word of God, and to the spirits leading. God will provide it if you want it. Lord, God gave him success. Can I tell you that is the prosperity gospel in truth? Do you know that as long as you seek guidance from the Lord, that God will give you success? It's not rocket science. It's really the truth. you know why it's so important that I seek guidance? Because it says I'm not strong enough. In my weakness, right? This, this message is, this is weakness. I am weak. And, and Uzziah recognizes I don't have the answers. So this is who Uzziah is. This is what I want to encourage us to do in our walk with God. God, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. Because that's the only thing God lacks. Our weakness allows him to be strong. Our weakness allows him to be glorified. Amen? Okay, so far so good? All right, let's see where, where I'm at here. Oh, what did I do? Oh, oh, okay, what'd I do? <laughs> I went too far. Oh, oh I, you know what? You know, it's funny. I, okay, so here's a picture. This is Solomon's kingdom. So I, I have to point out something to you. At the very, toward the bottom, if you take the purple guy's foot and you go to the left, <laughs> you're gonna see where the Red Sea is. So I, I, I think this, this isn't a picture. Is this still a... a anyway so do you see that like the green um angle there where it points down to the red sea so so the the green little wedge there that's israel and where it comes to the point is the city of elath elath is important because it is the access to the red sea It is something that was established during the time of of Solomon. And it was one of the avenues where Israel became great. If you had access to a port, and you could run ships to and from, it meant money. It meant you could distribute your goods, right? It is the supply chain. (laughs) So the city of Elath wasn't just a, a, a random city what is happening in Uzziah is that he establishes or reestablishes access to resources, to goods and services, to be e- economically strong. He's, he's restoring something that Solomon set up. So he's, there's something that's being built here. For us, having a port that we receive and, and uh, that we give and take, that we export and import... It is how we present the gospel. How do you present the gospel? What comes in and what, comes out, what goes out? Having a place to export what I know is Elath. What do your neighbors see? What, do you, what does your family see? What do those people in in your community see? Establishing Elath says, I have a product worth listening to, worth seeing. The product that I have is not me being strong. The product that I have is I am weak and there is a strong God that, that lifts me up. King Uzziah established this. Notice he did it after his father died. So at this point, it's been 24 years, and King Uzziah is 40. At at 40 years old, he establishes a place where now his testimony can be exported. I just want to encourage you, each of us are required to export what God's given us. God didn't just save you so, so you're going to go to heaven. How many people think that that's a good benefit? Because I, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. Anybody excited about that? Can you you know that, that it, while we're in that waiting room of life, you, you have to be busy? right? You, you should be busy doing things like being a witness to what God's done in your life. Do you know that's your job? Oh, good. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that it was interesting that that's what he is. So, so Mr. Uzziah is a messed up kid with a messed up father, but he has a mentor who leads him in the ways of God. So that's, I, that's where I wanted to start with. Um, let's do this. The city of Elath was a commercial port. Uh, it, it allowed trade across the Red Sea with Egypt. It was extensive, lucrative copper mining operations. It restored the glory of Solomon's kingdom. And for us, it connects and evangelizes the nations of the world other nations are people right we get to talk to people about what god's done okay so the next thing i want to do um let's do this did you do okay oh, let's back up a little bit and now so i'm going to go to verse six uh, now, this is about how Uzziah was the king. This is what he did. So, we talked about who he was. This is what he does Uzziah declared war on the Philistines, broke down their walls of Gath, Jabna, and Ashdod. Then, he built new towns in Ashdod, uh, in the Ashdod area, and in other parts of Phil- Philistia. God helped him in the wars against the Philistines, his battles with the Arabs of Ger and the wars of the Munites. So what I mentioned is this. Here's this King Uzziah and he goes on the offense and he attacks cities of the, the Philistines. And, and I just want to tell you for me, when, in my studies when I see the, the word Philistines, I think of wealth and greed now, not everybody's the same. How many, uh, I shouldn't say how many people love money. Hmm, let's say, how can I say this? How many are greedy? No, how, how can I say this? See, everybody has a measure of greed. Is that okay? Can I say that? Everybody has a measure of greed. Some people are focused on attaining wealth. Some more than others. And what Uzziah is fighting against is this desire to become wealthy and greedy and letting that be his God Jesus was very clear you have a choice you can serve God or mammon which is money or the pleasure that is received from money Some of us have more of a struggle than others. What I see Uzziah doing, he goes on the offensive and says, you know what? My family is all about getting rich. And in Deuteronomy, it says, listen, don't let your king uh, uh, just gain horses and wealth and chariots. He says, I'm going to be a king that says, I don't want any of that. I'm not going to be held responsible or held captive by attaining wealth and riches. I want the country to be rich, but it's not going to own me. I think that we need to be offensive against areas of sin in our lives. Now, not all of us have deal, you know, it's a financial thing or money thing. It can be of the flesh. It can be sexual. It can be immoral. It could be issues of addiction. It could be issues that lead us into Fear or anxiety, or anger. There's all sorts of issues that each one of us face that we need to aggressively attack. Right now, Greg is aggressively attacking something in his body. Oh, no, I think I should be passive. and just wait for God to do what he's going to do. You know, God is doing what he's going to do. Aggressively attack. Aggressively attack areas of our life that is sin-based. The issue is, honestly, most of us know what our weaknesses are. Two things happen in our walk with Christ. Either we uh, um, make it okay. It's okay if I have this little weakness. You know, it's private. It's between me and God. No, I, I didn't even bring God into it. It's just private. It's okay if I live in this fear or this anger issue, or this sexual issue, or this addiction. It's okay. That's not what the Scripture really tells us at all. It says, if, we, if we've been convicted of sin, aggressively attack it. That's what Uzziah did. So he went out, and he, he attacked the cities, the major, one, two of the major cities of the Philistines, and he did something different. He built a city there instead. So he, he broke down walls of a city that, was, that represented his sin issues, and he said, you know what? In order to obliterate it, if, if I have an issue with pornography, if I have an issue with that, you know what, I'm not just going to stop watching movies that aren't good for me. I'm going to actually just remove Netflix. <laughs> if I'm really serious, if I'm really serious, oh, that's too far. My bad. First John two, sixteen and seventeen, 16 and 17 says, For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see and the pride of, in, in our achievements and, and possessions. These are not from God. They are from the world. And the world is fading away along with everything that the people crave. For, but, a, but anyone who does what pleases God, go, pleases God, will live forever. The scripture that in the King James, it says the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. Those are things we have to fight them, we're, and we're quite aware of them. We need to aggressively fight against those areas that are sin-based. We must make war against those. <clears throat> it said in verse 8, the Minuites, paid annual tribute to him and and his fame even uh, spread even to um, Egypt for he had become very powerful. What this refers to is, instead of being controlled by my worldly, fleshly lusts, when I stand up against sinful issues, people recognize that. People will recognize you're a man of character. You're a woman of of valor. You're a woman that that lives in a way that fear isn't owning you. People will recognize there's something about you that I want. That's what it means to be paid tribute. I didn't own them. Verse 9 says, Uzziah built fortified towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the angle in the wall. Amazing. Most of us have seen pictures. I I don't know the greatest visualization. I saw Lord of the Rings. I re-saw that. And uh, there's a lot of uh, imagery about castles. The the, the key about Jerusalem is it was built they built a, a wall around it that was immensely thick. It wasn't just like, you know, a foot. It was like five or six feet. I, I don't know the exact, but it's huge. It was not easily torn down. And what happened with Uzziah's dad is that because of his weakness, there were, there were wall, uh, 600 feet of wall was torn down. What Uzziah did is he rebuilt those walls. And in addition, he put towers up above on three different parts of the wall. And what that imagery is, like, am I aware? Am I looking out for areas of sin or areas of disobedience? Am I being proactive about my walk with God? Or am I just passively thinking, you know what? Eventually I'll get to heaven. Uzziah is a guy that says, I can't, I can't survive my walk with God if I'm passive." Right? So he aggressively attacks sin, but in his heart, he put guards against it. I submit to you that, that he had a 360, 360 degree view of his heart. So he built that. Notice, he defended. It said, he guard, it said, guard your heart against the schemes of the enemy. Everybody knows what the schemes of the enemy is, right? We've talked about it. I've talked about a few things. Each of us have our own, our own little uh, variation of it. But, but last week, Jeff talked about it. He, he didn't finish it from my point of view. He did a really good job. But he said, you know what? The, the enemy does three things. He he does, yeah. Three things specifically. God wants you to think, not God, excuse me, forgive me. The enemy wants you to think less about who God is. That's what Jeff's message was last week. He said, You know what? God Almighty is God sovereign Yahweh. That's that's who he is. And the enemy said, No, he's he's just a God. God isn't able, he's not concerned. He's not, he's not, present. So the enemy wants you to believe God is not actively involved in your life. The second thing God wants you, or the enemy wants you to believe, is that, uh, that God isn't, a, God isn't, uh, God is less, and He wants you to believe that you're less. You know the reason why God doesn't care about you because you're a piece of poo. Who would love you? What makes you think you're worthy? What makes you think God is even concerned about you? The enemy will harangue you to the point that says, you've done too much for God to love. Now, I should be speaking to all of you because you've heard these voices. The enemy wants me to think less about God, less about myself, and less about others. This is, these are the schemes of the enemy. All schemes are based on this foundation. He wants me. The enemy wants me to think that I can't trust anybody. I can't speak the truth to anybody. I should be wary of you. I should be afraid of you. I should keep away from you. I should be isolated. All of my problems deal with me not thinking, not realizing who God is, what God has done with me and who I am in Him, and how important you are to me. That's the truth, but the enemy wants to break that. Powers are able to see threats early and to anticipate. Do you put that in your heart? Do you say, oh, wait, wait, I have to be careful about this situation. I'm going into a family event. I better put my political agenda aside. I better put my judgmentalism aside. I better be guarded about what I say. Be, I love Ephesians 5, 15. It says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. In the King James Version, I actually like better, it says, walk circumspectly. It's like this. This is the imagery. If, if you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yield to the feminine side, but it's really, I feel the same way. If I'm going into a parking lot, and it's dark at night. And I don't know anybody's around. What do you do? Close to the door. Well, too late. <laughs> but it says, walk looking around. Look around to see what your environment is. Be aware of your situation. The Scripture says that walk circumspectly. Don't walk in, in this world just thinking, oh, I'm good, I'm strong enough. See, strength, if I think I'm strong, I, 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 I don't think I need help. And I put myself in a very vulnerable position. And God says, don't do that. Paul says, walk circumspectly. Walk with the view that you are weak so that God will be strong. Is that fair? Okay. All right, let's see what else he did. In verse 10, <clears throat> uh, well, let's do this. I'll, I'll put Second uh, Chronicles, that I put it up there? No, I didn't. My bad. Uh, I just want to read a scripture. Second Chronicles 14.7 says this. Uh, it's the king, Asa says, he told the people of Judah, let us be, build towers and fortify them with walls, towers, gates, and bars. The land is still ours because we sought the Lord our God and he has given us peace on every side. So they went ahead with these projects and brought them to completion. Can I tell you, build walls, build towers, Have gates and bars. Don't allow yourself to be just heart led. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And we're going to see that that's that's knowing the Word of God, it's being in prayer, hearing from what, what God is directing you, being in fellowship. It, the next part, it says, verse 10, it says, he constructed forts in the wilderness. So here's the thing. If Jerusalem is my heart, that's how I'm seeing it, what in the world is a fort out in the wilderness? A fort out in the wilderness is way out there. It's I, I, I'm in a tower so I can see things. I can probably see that fort. I want to put protection around me. In every area I can. I'll give you an example. <laughs> Being a guy, I have to I have to protect myself because especially as a pastor. And the Lord gave me a scripture a long time ago. It's uh it's first Timothy five two. Do I have it up here? Yeah, there it is. Right? It says first Timothy. No, that's not it. My bad. 1 Timothy 5.2 says this. Treat women as you, would, as you would your mother and treat younger women as, with all purity as your own sister. So this is, the Lord gave me this to protect me. This is a, a fort in the wilderness. It's, it's way out there that protects me. It's like a force field. There are four kinds of women in my life. Mothers, sisters, daughters, and one wife. You're in one of those categories. It makes it so much simple for me. Am I going to be inappropriate with my mother? No. My sister? No. My daughter? No. It's not that I don't have to be, please, I can't be stupid, but it really protects me. The word of God is designed to protect me. It is out there That is, it's on my head. It's, it's sort of a built-in force field from sin. It doesn't, it's not by itself. It's part of a system. It's like one of the things we, ta- we were taught a long time ago is that if, if the scripture says to love others as you have been loved, if that's, if that's the heart of scripture, then what I've been trained to do is to love you or forgive you in advance. So if I expect you to always be perfect, I'm going to be disappointed. Is that true? Because if you expect me to be perfect, you're going to be disappointed. But if I already say, listen, I'm going to love you or forgive you in advance, just like Jesus forgave me, right? He forgave me 2,000 years ago before I was born. Is that right? The, The work of the cross happened a long time ago. So his forgiveness to me was in the f- future. If he forgave me in advance, I'm going to forgive you in advance. I'm going to have that point of view. I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm not going to be looking for you to fail. See, that's a, that's a fortress in the, in the wilderness. It's, it's something that I choose to live my life by. Another thing is we need to gain and work on habits that lead to godliness. And this is, a, this is beating the drum, right? I need to be a person of prayer. I need to pray before I talk to you. <laughs> you don't want to talk to me. Some people said, I need my coffee before I talk to me. No, no, you want me to pray before I talk to you. You want me to pray before I talk to you. You want me to read and study. You want me to be a, a person that, that appreciates and, and values fellowship. I need to gain habits that are going to protect me and guard me. One of the things I had in there was, is uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, don't be linked with non-believers. Don't team up with non-believers. It, it, it doesn't mean non-believers are evil people. It just means that as a believer... I, I don't want to get into a covenant with non-believers, right? It, it's not healthy for me, right? I will de- I'll be disappointed because a non-believer will, they, they don't walk in the way God wants them to walk. That's just not them, it's just they are. That's who it is. That, <laughs> Let's see what Uzziah did. The next thing that Uzziah did, he, he dug many water cisterns. Let's see if we got this. Oh, Uh, no, no. My bad. I have to go back. So the next thing that Uzziah did, he dug water cisterns. And you look and you go, well, a a cistern is just a hole in the ground, right? It's a reservoir for water, right? So it says that he, he dug water cisterns because he kept great herds of livestock in the foothills of Judea, uh, Judah and on the plains. He was also a man who loved the soil. He had many workers who cared for his farms and vineyards, both on the hillsides and in the fertile values, valleys. So I want to talk about cisterns, soil, farms, and vineyards. Be prepared and store up the word of God. Water is always the word of God, usually the word of God. Do you store up the Word of God? The Word of God says, hide the Word in your heart. Have you done that? Do you know the Word of God enough to protect you? Water represents the Word of God. Store it up. Be generous with what you've been given. Right? Part of the issue is when we reflect what God has given to us, it has to be shown in Generosity be generous not just financially that's part of it but freely give to people what you've been given the gospel the word of hope and and what we see here is care for those care for what you've been given and what has grown in your life right he he has he puts he puts the word of god which causes things to grow he has animals and fields and vineyards and that refers to family the community of believers and the community of seekers, right? God has put us in here to care for people in our lives. And then, verse eleven: Uzziah had an army of well-trained warriors ready to march into battle, unit by unit. This army had been has been mustered and organized by Jeril, the secretary of the army, his assistant. Blah blah blah. Uh, <laughs> They, they were under the direction of this guy, one of the king's officials. Uh, and then he goes on. At the end of, of verse 13, it says, they were prepared to assist the king against the enemy. One of our responsibilities as Christ followers is to train up an army. God didn't say is to go into the world and make believers. He didn't say, hey, get together a a group of nice people who who do good things for the community right this is if this is a social club where we have nice things to say about each other and we do good things for the community are we different than the Rotary are we different than the Good Sam Club or whatever are we different than a social group no We are to bring up and build up disciples, those who are learning and following the way of Jesus Christ. Teach people who are ready to teach people. He built up an army of well-trained warriors ready to march into battle. They were prepared to assist the king against every enemy. That's our job. That's our responsibility, right? Um... 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4. We do not serve Christ alone. And this is what Paul says. Endure suffering along with me. Be a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Soldiers don't get tied, tied up with the affairs of civilian life. We need to be that people. We need to train people to be the, that people. Uzziah provided, in verse 14, Uzziah provided the entire army with shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, slings, and stones. Ephesians 4 says, the responsibility of the church leadership is to equip God's people to do the work and build up the church, the body of Christ. Ephesians 6.13 says, therefore put Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. We need to be equipped. We need to be ready. We need to be vigilant. All right. I don't even know what time. Oh, did I go way long? Apologies. I'm almost done. This is it. It says that he built structures in the walls of Jerusalem and I'm going to go to the dark, his fame spread far and wide for the Lord gave him marvelous help and he became very powerful. So this is the conclusion. Be on the offensive. And as the as the king, we seek guidance from the Lord. God will, will give us success. Number two, we must make war against the cravings of inappropriate physical pleasure, cravings for everything that we see, and the pride in our achievements and possessions. Be on the defensive. Guard your heart against the schemes of the enemy. Be prepared to store up the word of God. Habits that lead to godliness. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. The chief message is, Uzziah's success is because of God's help. We are weak people. We are built we we were created weak so that God would be strong amen okay father we just thank you we thank you that your message is really clear even though i might not have been i pray father that that the takeaway today is that we would humbly require you in our lives that you would be glorified and lifted up and i just pray that you would minister to our needs that we would go past fear or habit or rituals and break down any wall that gets in the way of that, that you would be lifted up. And God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thanks, brother. A few things uh, before we kick you guys out of here. Number one, as I shared earlier, I'm my own worst enemy with saying no to things and recognizing my own limits while fighting cancer. I hate to admit it but we just don't have the resources this fall to do 55 and forward so the rest of the groups that have been put together we do have leaders we do have hosts we do have locations 55 and forward was not one of the groups where we were able to find a leader so I hope very much that we'll be able to do that in the winter at New Year's uh, because I think we enjoyed being together this last summer Uh, secondly tonight's business meeting and potluck. So come at 5 p.m. with a dish. We'll be in the Connection Center, and we'll be talking about some proposed bylaw changes. Pastor Greg will have a uh, presentation to provide to kind of summarize what's going on, and the vote will be in a couple of weeks. A couple weeks from now on Friday night, September 30, right out here in the parking lot, we're going to have Sunset Cinema. This is a community movie night that we tried to have in June, but then a heat wave came. Well, it wasn't as bad as this recent one, but it was was bad. Um, One of many needs that humans have, connection is one of them, and our neighbors, uh, when we talk with them, admit they don't even know each other, (laughs) let alone us getting to know them. And so we've got a 21-foot inflatable movie screen, and we're going to put a family-friendly film up there and popcorn and M&M's and all that. Foundation Youth is hosting and putting on the event. Um, so it's going to be really exciting to watch them serve and kind of take the keys to the kingdom and, and serve our city and lead us in that way. Uh, so be ready for that in a couple of weeks. Um, and then Kairos Cookies. Those of you guys who have been here for a while, you know it is cookie time. Uh, Wayne, I'm not meeting eyes with Wayne. Are you Are you going to share or are we just doing the video? Okay, everybody watch this video. Thanks.
2: With all those cookies on a Kairos <laughs> <laughs> uh, I usually give mine away. I usually give my Kairos cookies away. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't go without, as you can see. Uh, uh, I I, think uh, you you hear most of the guys that, that aren't believers down the hallway, they call them Jesus cookies. When are we getting the Jesus cookies? And that's an awesome thing. An un, a non believer. Uh, uh, looking and excited about getting something from Jesus and that's what it's all about anyways so that's what I do I give mine away Uh, uh, to get blessings you got to be a blessing and that's what I try and do on the weekend they give you forgiveness cookies and when I went through my weekend it was a very it was a it was a time of my life there was a teetering there was, a, there was a lot of stuff going on. I was in a very dark place, and uh, I, was, I was part of a, a group. And this group expected me to do some stuff. And uh, it was going to happen after my weekend. And actually, during my weekend, they give you a, uh, a brown bag of cookies, and they tell you, listen, give this to the person that you have to give the most forgiveness to. And the person that I was supposed to do something to, I sent that bag of cookies to him. And he had just went through a weekend, so he knew what that bag of cookies meant. So in my weekend, it not only saved my life, but it possibly saved somebody else's life with those forgiveness cookies. Uh, Because in me giving those forgiveness cookies, uh, that relationship with that guy was uh, rectified was reconciled and, uh, and those cookies uh, uh, in many cases, and I'm not saying in all of them, but in many cases, they save lives.
1: Those of you who know the, the rigmarole, that the uh, signups for cookies are at the back table. Please go to the table. Just let us know how many cookies you guys are going to bring all right talk Wayne raise your hand in case people don't know you. Wayne is the ministry leader for Kairos if you would like more information. Thank you guys have a great week. we love you.